Welcome back to CX Fans, another episode of CS Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Thanos, joined as always by the Joel Cohen to my Ethan Cohen. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I am feeling like uh, making Bill Murray think that I'm writing a Garfield movie. Yeah, you are, but you're the but you're the actually not. But I'm uh, not, because I'm one of the better Cohens. Yeah, you're the good Cohen, but our very own Andy Cohen. That's right. Uh, watch what happens live with Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great. I had to Google who he was really quickly, found out, <laughs> prepare for some awkward interviewing. Yeah, you ready for some Real Housewives, Eric? Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's dismiss this and talk about who you kissed 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. The Seahawks with a tough luck loss last week against the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, we all, our powers have faded, men. I wanted to talk about this. We used to have a power, a superpower, yeah. um, and it's my fault because I did something I don't normally do, which is that last week before the game started, I placed a, a small uh, cash wager on the Seattle Seahawks. And I think oh. that I think that messed up our karma of whenever we pick. So long-time listeners know, when all three of us pick against the Seahawks, they have they are like 5-0. and So we, uh, we saved it, we used our powers, and then I kind of messed up our powers by going, oh, I'm going to place a little small wager on the Seahawks because I think they're going to win. And I think karmically, poor decision-making on my part, uh, I apologize to everyone that that was my fault. That pick six, you can just see my face on the ball. I think so. So you are the, the you are the Chargers kicking game to this podcast this week. Yeah, pretty so much. Because of I Nathan, Pete Carroll let Mike Holmgren call that one play, the Russell pick six during the game. Uh, sure. Oh, that was such a bad throw. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. I'm just I'm, Russell wanted the ball and he was going to score. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I just, I just want to apologize. Okay, get the, getting that out of the way. I'm let's, sorry. Let's talk about the actual uh, football game where the Seahawks played. I think. Okay, if you told me before the game started, hey, the Seahawks defense is going to give up 19 points, I would have told you you're crazy if we don't win that game. So what what happened? What what led to the demise of the Seahawks, Eric? Okay. I said before the podcast began that the defense played good. You both corrected me and said fine. I said that's what I meant because they weren't like excellent on defense, but they played good enough to they, win. They played really pretty decent against the run. Um, uh, I mean, you can you can break it down simply. Like, how do we lose this game? Okay, Russell Wilson did not have a good game. Uh, that pick six was atrocious. The play calling on that play was atrocious. Tedrick Thompson missed a couple key tackles. Tedrick Thompson, uh, he got screwed on a pirouette where he went out of bounds. Yeah, I really, I really wanted to, to uh, like refs, him this game. The refs screwed us. I'm not going to go ref screwed us. I hate that. There's uh, other reasons. David you, Moore you not catching when the ref screwed us. David Moore not catching that ball in the end zone may have screwed us. Uh, both of those. I uh, mean, the DB got a finger on it, but he needs to catch those still. And uh, Lockett, Lockett maybe should have caught that ball before. Uh, Chris Carson going down with an injury, and us, I don't know, not really sticking. It's like we didn't, we didn't go away from the run game, but we went away from the style. Uh, just everything looked bad, and that that pick six sealed it, and it sealed it early. Okay, um, here's the thing for me: is that the Seahawks' run defense was excellent in this game, off especially in the heart of the defense. Reed had four run stops. Steven had four run stops. Wagner had four run stops. Wright had three run stops. But around the outside, they were able to find room to run. Um, guys were there for to run, and they were able to find uh, big plays in this game. There was a lot of yards after catch. Um, there was a lot of uh, guys open that probably shouldn't have been. And I think like small mistakes on defense led to uh, slightly more points than we are used to. Uh, or maybe that we even could have given up. Because I think this was a defensive performance that maybe deserved even better than the 19 points that they gave up. Uh, I mean, obviously they gave up 21 points and got bailed out by Caleb Sturgis. <laughs> All right. So, right. <laughs> but, I mean, just look at look at the offense, though. You know, uh our offense or theirs? Ours. Look at the drives. 13 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 3 plays, 2 yards, punt. 3 plays, 2 yards, punt. 5 plays, 44 yards, missed field goal. 5 plays, 12 yards, punt. Uh, 8 plays, 49 yards, field goal. End of half. 3 plays, 5 yards, punt. 8 plays, 17 yards, punt. 4 plays, 7 yards, punt. 3 plays, 13 yards, pick 6. 14 plays, 54 yards, touchdown. Eight plays, 72 yards, end of game. The whole middle of the game, we didn't do anything. We didn't do earmuffs. We didn't do shit. That's like what we 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 got hot early. They made adjustments. We stalled. We stalled. We stalled until it was too little too late. Uh, I, there's a reason for that. And I think that this was probably this is the worst Russell Wilson performance we've seen in a long, a long time. Well, it looked like the beginning of the year. He was running into the pressure. 
Um, he he did that thing where he turns around and spins backwards and takes a really horrible to the sack. wrong direction. I really hate that. And he also stared down his receivers at least three times in the game. One of which was a pick six. Yeah. So I mean, of the sacks, uh, you know, Mike Davis got one, Wilson got one, Hunt got one, and they did not credit one to any particular player. Team sack. The thing about the 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 Mike Davis sack, I mean. Wilson needs to be smart there and like he realized like okay Davis just got crushed on that block right like Davis just got destroyed gotta get rid of the ball hey I'm gonna throw the ball instead he turns around and runs like seven more yards back and makes it way worse than it needed to be like that went from a negative play into like maybe the worst one of the worst plays just a drive killing play and he had several drive killing sacks in this game uh that that I just that stuff just really irks me I it's, it seemed like tendencies he had kind of gotten over, and then they all came back this week. Well, and I don't know if it's if it's something wrong with him. Maybe they had to amputate his leg when he got hit uh, by Ndamukong Sue a few years ago. But he's not fast anymore. Uh, I'm watching the Sunday night football game with the Packers and the Patriots. Aaron Rodgers runs faster than Russell Wilson. And that's not, that's not hyperbole. I watched the game. Uh, both of them have aged. Aaron Rodgers is older than Russell Wilson. I don't really understand how Russ lost uh, his speed and some of his quickness. See, I disagree. I don't think he's lost his speed. I think he's lost his decisiveness as a runner. What about he looks the, very uh, hesitant. I agree with that, but what about the, the designed run? I felt like... He had one in this game. Yeah, and it was slow. Yeah, but if you look on like the uh, the last drive when he took off up the middle and... like scampered for uh, a first down and quite a few yards like he looked quick and, and fast and dove too early yeah maybe he's just not consistent with it kevin but i don't yeah, know he looks he looks slow out there at least he did this week i think his decision making when running is just not what it was so he's processing instead of just running man we had a we had a really tough game in terms of like our power runs which normally had been like very successful we dropped all the way down to 8th in the league in power success rank in because we lost Carson and Fluker which is the key to our run right. game and it just kind of Sweezy think, didn't have a great game and Joey Hunt looked like someone who should not be on a football field ever. really really weird usage pattern for Penny too where they like Brought him in for like three, two snaps at the beginning of the game and then two snaps at the end of the game. I didn't really understand what that was all about. Like, Yeah, it's like he was in didn't fumble jail. I didn't, yeah, I was, I was. When Carson went down, I was like, okay, we can see what Penny can do. No. No, no we just can see kind of Mike Davis. Thick, thicker dose of Mike Davis. And I mean, overall, the running game was, was not horrible. You know, 28 rushing attempts for 154 yards and then, you know, 139 passes is a lot, though. 113 uh, rushing yards. It's it's the passing game that really let us down. It's it's not the it's not the run game. And is it just me or do, like, I know we didn't complete them, but do we even throw very many deep passes? The passing summary for this game, I'll give it up. Just give me like because the seconds. only decently long pass we had, uh, Dougie B caught a forty-two yarder. Three, it was really nice. Three twenty-plus yard attempts that were uh, the one for three, and then we had five ten-plus pass attempts that went one for five. So we just weren't successful in that part of the field. And you can credit that to maybe like Derwin James is really good in coverage or something like that. But it's just that that's just that's a rough go for sure. Yeah, that's not what you want to see. Uh, uh, David Moore had a horrible day. Two catches on seven targets, um, including those two touchdowns that he got his hands on. Mm-hmm. But a lot of their the defensive back did too. A lot of their defensive backs had really excellent days, other than Michael Davis. I mean, Desmond King had an awesome game. Uh, Casey Hayward had a good game. They Derwin, have good DBs. Derwin James had a good game. Their weakness is, you know, you beat them with short pack passes because they're their linebackers are pretty weak in coverage, and I just don't think we exploited that enough. You know, they're, I was looking for, like, short running back runs or, or passes or, you know, flare-outs to tight ends and stuff, and it just never seemed like that that really took off. Well, it's like we had seven for eight passing to Mike Davis, but for only 45 yards. We had Van Eck caught six out of eight targets, which is good, but and had 52 yards, but, like, we weren't sustaining drives. That's the big thing. And it wasn't enough to get them to cheat forward and, and open up the long pass. Our long pass game was just non-existent. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, anything else, y'all? So the offense you was bad. want to talk about for offense, defense? Uh, no. Defense? Okay, let's talk about defense. I thought it was a pretty hope. Like, we gave up 113 yards, 7.1 yards per carry to Melvin Gordon. That's not very good. Uh, Keenan Allen ate us up. 
that was not good. Otherwise, we did pretty good. Yeah, Keenan Those Allen, the two things Keenan Allen was targeted with. ten times, got six receptions, one hundred and twenty-four yards. Um, we didn't we didn't let him burn us after the catch, only thirty-two yards after catch. But that's not including the fact that he had a huge run too, where Frank Clark just could not keep contain on his edge and got like kind of destroyed. Yeah, um, and I think that plays like that where you see Frank Clark that that shows kind of um, there that this is not a experienced defense; it's a young defense. That makes mistakes, and those mistakes are punishable by a team that has a lot of veteran talent, like like the San Diego Chargers. I will say the Chargers or the Seahawks defense did do a nice job of bottling up Melvin Gordon in the pass game. For as much as we gave up rushing um, in the passing game, one catch on four targets, ten yards. I imagine a lot of that goes to KJ and Bobby doing very well with him. Yeah, baby, Bobby was targeted seven times, but only gave up three receptions. He had two pass breakups, which is pretty legit for a middle linebacker. Um, that led the, that led the team in pass breakups. Coleman had two as well. Clark had a really nice sack. Jaron Reed had a very timely sack when the defense was looking to try and get the team back into but it. But I mean, eight total pressures at home. Uh, not good. Not good. Yeah, our, on fifty-one defensive snaps. Like our game plan of how the Seahawks won this game. I, I felt like the crowd was taken out of it. I don't like being like, oh, the crowd didn't show up. No, I just felt like they were taken out of it at times. Um, we certainly didn't have any advantage that way. Okay. Uh, that I actually was their... one of the questions we got on Twitter. Which, when, I... when does the hot take come in that the clink is not a home field advantage? The answer is it probably already has come up because people are dumb. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is Gordon... Gordon got 53 of his yards after contact, which is pretty good. And it just, it was just, uh, I don't know, it was a tough day. It was well, a tough day. We did a good job making sure Eckler never got loose. We did a good job of making sure, you know, other than the one big run by Gordon, the one big run by Allen, they were generally like medium sized runs. But the, the thing that was rough for me is like just watching a guy on second and eight get nine yards on a run. It's just like, how, how did this happen? You know, it's like, and it seemed like they were able to move the chains and we just were not. We did not get first downs. We did not convert on third downs. And that killed well, us. And they didn't do it over backbreaking plays either. They went through. You know, five yards here, thirteen yards there, nine yard run. Well, I don't overall they consistency. Did. That's the how thing. so. Well, if you look, two of their touchdown drives, um, the one was a big chunk play to Allen, and then the long run by Gordon, and those came on the same drive, two like thirty plus yard plays. I can see that. And then the one of their other touchdown drives was the. Uh, um, was the catch on the sideline where he pirouetted, stepped out of bounds, and it wasn't called out of bounds, and that was like a 25, 30-yard touchdown reception. So their chunk plays tended to come on the same drives, and those were scoring drives. And that makes a big difference because, you know, if you get a chunk play and then you get held up for a field goal, that's different. But when you get a chunk play and a chunk play after that, Suddenly you're in the red zone, and or you're already in the end zone. Yeah, and from there they have consistent plays, and ultimately eating the clock and and running against us over and over again, it it ate up a lot of clock and just kind of defeated our defense in that way. Yeah, the thing that's rough for me is that looking at the schedules for for the teams that are kind of in the mix with us for the last playoff spot, I don't I don't really like the spot we're in. The Falcons have an extremely easy schedule. They get to play. Um, the Browns, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Buccaneers. Like, they have a bunch of free wins left on the schedule, and we have to try to run the gauntlet. We the- need one of Carolina or Atlanta to just poop themselves. Yeah, I think it's one gonna, of those teams needs to. And not only that, has to be Carolina. Not only that, we need all the NFC North teams to to only one of them to be good to cannibalize. We yeah, need, we need the Vikings to be bad, or we need the Packers to be bad. The Packers are doing that all on their own. I was gonna we say we need the Vikings and or Chicago. Those two teams can't decide. The Packers need to play the Dolphins and the Cardinals and the Jets. That's like three free wins. Plus they have a home game against the Lions. That puts them at like eight wins right there. Yep. Then they get to play us head to head. I don't know. I I'm. I'm scared of the Packers as well. And then, oh, we need to beat them, but if we don't beat them, we don't deserve the spot over them. And the Vikings too. We got we got to beat the Vikings as well. Yes. Um, so that, ideally for us, Chicago will run away with it. Our road we already lost. Our them. road to the playoffs just got a lot narrower. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, so, like we knew this is one we were probably going to lose, and when we talked about it, I think we put this one down as a loss when we were coming up with our nine or ten win projection. I had it as a win, but so that would put me down to eight and eight. I had it as a loss. I had it as a loss, which too. would keep me at ten and six. I guess it just felt like a a completely winnable game at home 
that we sh- I don't know. You should have won that game. It's when the sa- you got the sand in your hand and it's slipping through your fingers, man. You just I can't still have hold us beating. It. We're beating Green Bay. We're beating Carolina. We're beating San Francisco twice. I, we're beating Arizona and Minnesota. Wow, wow, that's asking a lot. I think. Of I think this. two of those games are huge question marks. Yeah. Uh, so Carolina, I think. Is looking at be a that, I'm one. really wondering about uh, Carolina, which would put me at nine and seven, and nine and seven is really uncomfortable. But boys, if we just pull off the impossible and beat the Rams this weekend, it's all sunshine and lollipops. I mean, if we did pull off the impossible and beat the Rams, I would laugh a lot. That would make me very happy. Well, I mean, let's be honest, and we're not there to break down the Rams yet, but I don't think it's like an unwinnable matchup. No. Um, I think it's a hard to win matchup, but not unwinnable. The the biggest part thing for me about this team, the way they're playing right this second, is that it, it, we're just in a position where we have to win this. We needed to have this one. This was one where we it was within our reach. We're in a position where we need to win, and we just couldn't come up with the plays to make it. And like, I think some, losing Fluker was devastating. So for many, our offense. so many little things like. Like the we we get the untimed down on the one and you you that's like getting a timeout in that situation you know what I mean like you have so much time to get to the line and then you and then you come up and you false start that's just unacceptable yeah yep. mental mistakes like that will kill you and it's not just another little thing little another little 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 thing you know you put postage postage is inactive instead of uh, hunt and now when we our guard gets hurt Joey Hunt is now our our right guard you know that's, even though postage I'd rather have postage playing center than Joey Hunt playing guard ab- that's easy absolutely I mean it's, I, I I researched this the postage is not hurt correct it's just they just inactive him because the, the dumb NFL rules where you have to inactive seven guys as far as I'm aware that's so, correct as far as I'm concerned the dumb rules killed us there because there's no way Joey Hunt got kind of tatered he was not ready for that um, well, or like the uh, the drive before the final drive, we got the touchdown, but there was so much wasted clock on that drive. Like there was just no sense of urgency. We didn't use the two minute warning very well. We got out of bounds on the two minute warning play instead of using the middle of the field. Like we just wasted a ton of clock and then got lucky that uh, that. LA handed the clock back okay. like that the clock management in the fourth quarter was bad and I think part of that is on Pete but I think part of it's on Russ too Russ needs to have urgency just, getting just the guys mosey, to the line moseying up to the line just, just moseying on up wasting so much time I, I by the end of that drive I was like there's no way we can win this game just because of how long this is taking it's taking forever and then you we know? still end up with a shot that we didn't deserve yeah uh, it's totally bizarre. Two shots. Bizarre game. It was the right. kind of game where the, the Chargers curse kind of kicked in, but we weren't able to take advantage of it. That's okay. We didn't want it as much as they were cursed. Um, so, uh, okay, let's um, let's talk about George Fant for a second because I, I have to. George Fant is blocking really well. At what point do we try to figure out a way to get him into just the regular offensive line? I, I don't understand. What does he need? I, he's so good. If Fluker is really hurt, if uh, we can hold him off till next year, do we? I just, don't know, man. Do we just think like a Fetty's development will be stunted by playing guard or something? Like I, I don't get it. Could Fant play guard? I don't know. Could can I just get Fant in there blocking on every play? He had an eighty-nine point seven Pro Football Focus. Here's the thing: I would have much rather had Fant in at guard than Joey Hunt. Yeah, I don't. At least Hunt could physically keep up with who was in front of him. I mean, he's played zero career snaps at guard. How did Fetty do after uh, after Hunt Fluker went out? Zero career snaps at guard too. Do we have that number? <laughs> I'm gonna look it up right now. Fetty did not look terrible. I mean, after after Fluker went down, I just yeah, those were Joey Hunt's first snaps at right guard ever. Yeah, Ugh, he looked. Gross. He looked. I, I'm. I'm he not trying to physically outmatched. He looks slow. Say, he looked small, like. When I was on the field, it was weird because, you know, I know he's under 300 pounds, and I know he's, like, just a solid he's backup like center. He's, like, Jeff Saturday-sized. But, like, he was not big. And I was like, oh, no. Like, this guy is playing guard now? You need to be big to be a guard. He was a shotgun center at TCU in an athletics-based uh Like, just comparing, comparing his body to Fluker's is, like ridiculous it just like they look like total, he could literally the he pictures. could fit fully inside of fluker they look like they they come from different planets like fluker could wear him as a backpack i'm not trying to diss joey hunt because there's a, no de- fluker's a huge person there's definitely a chance like joey hunt 
turns into like a pretty good NFL center because it's a different position than guard. But DJ Fluker literally. <laughs> do you like? Do you like? Yeah, that? yeah. It's the it's the undersized undersized position on the line. DJ Fluker looks like a billboard. That guy is immense. Oh man! All right, this game was rough. Uh, any told you I, I didn't want to talk about this game. Uh, kicking game. Uh, the people were bagging on. Oh, uh, kick, kicking has cost us another game. I can't believe Janikowski missed it. He's not going to make every 50-yard field goal. No one is. Like he, It was a 51-yarder, and it hit He's the post. He's had way worse misses this year than that one. And he looked that better is than not the, the miss you want to waste your ire on. Sure. He, donk, he donked it off the post. It wasn't like it was like a clean miss. Or he like you know what we could have done really instead? Bad. We could have used the clock better and gotten like another eight yards on an out route, so he had a, like a 43-yard field goal yeah, I was that say, he would have made easily. The pick, the pick route play really hosed us there because that that thing that so bad play call. That was such a we good, didn't use the clock was the thing. I don't understand why they called that penalty though. It is so frustrating. The like, pick play that was bull. Yeah, that, that was, was on that drive. I feel like the we're not drive. allowed to run that play. The, the refs going back for four years have not allowed the Seahawks to run that play. I feel like that specific officiating crew screwed up a lot. Well, um, it was a rough week. We're getting a really sweet letter from the uh, from the fucking uh, dis, uh, uh, NFL. It's I felt like it was great. a pretty a pretty immediate rough week in pass protection. We allowed twenty one pressures. Um, but most of them were credited to Russell Wilson, so maybe it wasn't as bad as I, I thought. He had five pressures credited to him on Pro Football Focus. I I would I, tend to agree with that watching Russ, the game. Russ just had a a tough a tough day. So he was th- off today. Okay, this is the bottom five games for Sunday. Russ, in my opinion. Here's here's my question for you: um, Is is on what level is Russell Magic? We always say like Russ is magic; he can do anything. You think he still completed 67% of his passes. He still had two touchdowns, six yards per attempt, which is bad, but not abhorrent. Um, are we just kind of overreacting to the fact that he just didn't have the magic that today? Or is it, is there was there something really wrong? There are games where your great quarterback is going to have bad games. Look at Aaron Rodgers this last week against the Patriots. So you're saying he just, instead of a great game, he had a... Uh, okay game and we needed someone else to step up i think he had a bad game given his season meaning that it would have been compared to like the the look at what he had a bad i'm sorry an okay game for the season because look at what he's done he hasn't been in you know in a game where he's had to throw three touchdowns and 400 yards or anything like that he were under we're under throwing him this year if that's like the right phrase to use and it's not like we're you know we're choosing to not pass as much because we're running the ball more. Yeah, we're doing a less is more passing offense. Yeah, and so when you have to lean on him and he has a bad game, I feel like it stands out more. And it's fair to say Russ had a bad game. I don't think it's the end of Russ. I don't think there's anything wrong. I just just think it was a bad day. Let me ask you another question. Is is this one's for you, Kevin? Is some of it on the offensive line because the this is the first game since the second game of the season where they've given up more than two sacks. I feel like our healthy offensive line did great. And yeah, there were some issues once Hunt came in and couldn't block. And I feel like Sweezy had a little bit of trouble after that, too. I felt like Afedi surprisingly held up pretty well without someone to speak Southern next to him. But I. Uh, that's why I asked that question. Nobody picked up on it, but that's why I asked. Yeah, I'm good with that. Uh, when Fluker went out and Carson went out, losing both of them, but especially Fluker, I think losing Fluker was a big turning point in the game. Because I think there's things we couldn't do. And part of what Russ has been effective at this year is understanding when to audible to a run. And he was not able to utilize that the way that he has. That significantly changed our offense. I think that if Fluker had stayed healthy the entire game, there's a chance we walked out with a win. Shaquille Griffin gave up a 54-yard pass. I'm just trying to hit all the points that I wrote down or thought about before the podcast. Gave a 54-yard pass. Um, Shaquille Griffin's had a kind of an up-and-down year. Do you think this is just a, a young player kind of taking his lumps? I mean, we were really high on this guy coming into the season, and I think, to be honest with you, Trey Flowers, in my mind, has shown a little more promise than, than maybe even uh, Shaquille Griffin has. Um, am I, I crazy? That's a product of expectations. You expected more out of Griffin. I don't yeah. know though. Like you expected zero out of. Also, flowers. Griffin is. Uh, I think we may have anointed him too quickly, but I don't know. I think he's a solid corner. I don't. I don't know if Griffin's, he's the shutdown guy. He's giving we up want too many to big plays. That's Griffin's given up twenty nine receptions for three hundred and sixty six yards compared to Flowers, who 
who got abused in the first game and still has only given up 22 for 293. So, like, at this point, I mean, Flowers is – it's not just expectations, Kevin. I mean, the numbers are backing up. The Flowers, well, Flowers is, has played less, too. Is outperforming. He played, like, 413 snaps versus uh, 400, three, 494. Like, he played one less game. So – it's it's not like it's a huge difference. Also, like giving up similar numbers is what I'm hearing. Uh, if you ter- if you average it out, uh, he's so Flowers is giving up fifty nine percent of his passes are turning into receptions. Griffin is giving up sixty eight percent. The NFL rating when throwing at Griffin is eighty two. When throwing at Flowers, it's a little better a hundred. So like Griffin the, has some exploitable tendencies. Yeah, I was gonna say like that our, you're seeing like he has a tendency to let a guy go by him a little bit. Uh, like, this is something that we ran into with, uh, I want to say, Maxwell when he was younger, where he wouldn't get a hand on a guy before letting him release. Like, he'd let him have a clean release on a mid or late or mid or a deep route. He needs to make sure he's getting a hand on a guy. Um, sometimes he trusts his burst speed to be better than the uh, wide receiver and the throw. Like, that's what we saw in one of the Marvin Jones touchdowns. It's like trusting his athleticism too much. Yeah, he over-trusted it. I think he's a second-year player who's trying to feel out exactly what he does and could use a little bit of coaching on some of those things. He's being isolated a lot more this year than he was last year. He's not getting the safety help over the top because he's not the side that's supposed to need it. Yeah. And you're asking a lot out of a young corner. I don't think he's... I don't think he's a bad player, and I don't think he's regressed. I just don't think he was entirely ready for the role we need him to step into. If you look at his defensive intelligence, too, whereas Sherman had the athleticism and the speed certainly early in his career, he knew the routes the other team was running. He was really smart about that. If Griffin doesn't understand the route, if he thinks he's just going to go inside at some point and he you know, hovers in the mid part of the zone, the guy's going to get past him, and that's just... I think that comes with time, and hopefully, it's something he will pick up. So here's here's my here's my ending point here is that if the, the Seahawks might look to cornerback in next year's draft, I think it's a pretty good corner draft, and it could be a legitimate three way competition for like two spots between Griffin, Flowers, and whoever we pick, because I don't I don't think that there's a clear winner right now between those two guys, and that that's both a compliment to Flowers and maybe a little bit of a fire i'd be trying to light under shaquille flowers had an amazing pass breakup that saved a touchdown on a deep crossing route i was very impressed with that play that was play the game for me he's got length he's very good at squeezing a receiver to the sideline he tackled a guy out of bounds but then they said that he was inbounds yep (laughs) that play play that play really pissed me off i was like what is oh my gosh that in fact if you take that play out his he was like the highest rated pro football focus player on our team but that play like screws his rating up so bad and if i mean i watched it 15 times and i was like well we're getting that one back and then we didn't yeah there's uh, again i think that's on twitter it was one of those it basically became an outside the lines that in the pick play like they were bringing in other people to crap on the call okay and i gotta i gotta call out Dion jordan played 26 snaps he and he got zero pressures uh and had only one tackle uh, I'm, I'm last sorry, game. But Deion Jordan, you arrived. This game, Deion Jordan has he, left the building. He disappeared. He. We really needed someone not named Frank Clark to step up and like get pressure, and no one was able to do it. Rasheem Green's still not getting snaps, is he? Uh, Rasheem Green got eight snaps and had. They were almost all pass rush snaps, and he had no pressures. Yep. Jacob Martin, eight snaps, one pressure, not a good game. He got put into coverage once and gave up a 23-yard catch. That's course. what happens when you put him in coverage. <laughs> so, um, yep, all right, I'm gonna I'm ready to close the book on Chargers-Seahawks. Yep, that uh, was just a ugly game. Okay, let's head over to Rams-Seahawks. Speaking of we, ugly games. We've already played the Rams once. Uh, it went pretty good, and we barely lost. It was basically like this game. Uh, felt to me a lot like this game. Do you guys agree with that? Like a... A winnable game that kind of slipped through our fingers. Yeah, but I felt like, oh man, we were so close and we played well that game. This, yeah, this, I was gonna say this I game like we, we didn't play well. better in that game. I this game we we played ugly and almost won. You ready, ready for this? I actually think the offense played played much better in the in the Rams game than than in this game. I would agree. Uh, uh, and I, but I thought the defense played a really similar game. So the the Rams and the Chargers offenses are are kind of samey to me. Lots of weapons at wide receiver. Um, 
non-existent tight end threats, really good running backs, uh, quarterback that that you can trust to to not make a ton of mistakes. Um, now I'm not. I'm, I think Philip Rivers has more top. The top top Phil Rivers performance is probably better than the top top Goff performance. I also think but, that the top top McVay play calling is much better. Here's like that's here's, something to consider. Here's I think the biggest difference though for me. Um, I actually really like the Chargers defense better than the Rams defense. Uh, Agreed. And the biggest biggest difference between these two teams is the Chargers have a totally exploitable hole in their second in their special teams, and the Rams don't have that. Uh, but they do in Marcus Peters. Yeah, so the what the way we beat the Rams is we have to get out there, throw run run well, and then throw deep on play action after we set it up with the run. Um is anybody got a Chris Carson injury report? Like what's 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 his what's do you, do you guys think he will play this week? I've heard of things on Twitter that he will but that he will miss, that he will go. We signed Troy Main Pope to the practice squad. Yeah, he had uh, a, it seems like we're making moves to fill in running back spots here. He had a groin pain injury last week that Put him on the injury report, and, this and is then hip, he, right? and then yeah, and then he hurt it in the game. So is he playing this week? I'm going to say no, and that is based purely on addition and subtraction. Okay. So today, well, that's three big players in Chris Carson, Bradley McDougald, and DJ Fluker that we're wondering about. Yeah, so Carol, Carol is optimistic about Fluker today in his press conference. Um, Carol said that he's day to day, which is like Pete Carroll for saying he's out. And then um, McDougald's really sore. That's what Pete said today. And so I'm guessing we'll get a healthy dose of Delano Hill this week. Um, the the Brett maybe Mo Alexander gets activated for a revenge game. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I think McDougald plays. You think McDougald plays? I think McDougald tough, plays. Tough it out. Yep. Uh, I think I would take ninety percent of McDougald over all our other options. Yeah, I I would I would guess that they're gonna have a, th- a fourth safety active in this game just in case though, so they don't have to lean on Hill if he's not ready to to do it because he he was better than I expected in that game, but still not like perfect. Uh, so okay, uh, let's let's go. Do you I guys think have- getting Fluker back is gonna be a really big deal. If we get Fluker back. And we can have... Uh, that was the it, most optimistic Pete was in the conf- press conference. I think if we get Fluker back and we get Penny ready to be worked into the offense, we can make a running attack out of that. Um, and I also like what Penny offers in the passing game as well. So I do think that getting Fluker back means that we have a functioning offense. Then the question becomes, can we can we repeat what we did on defense the last time we played them. So so the Rams... They, so can we injure Cooper Cup and Brandon <laughs> Cup? I was wondering. <laughs> the, Rams, the Rams' big hole on defense is that they are not good at covering wide receivers. 25th in DVOA against number ones, 20th against number twos, 24th against all other wide receivers. And Doug looks so much better now yeah. than he did last time. Expect us to put three wide on the field a lot and then just try to make that happen. Um, in terms of defending the run, uh, if you run to the... To the um, to the left side uh, against the Rams, you are very successful. If you run to the middle against the Rams, you're successful. Well, what do we like to do when we run? We like to run uh, to the right. Oh yeah, we like to run to the. We well, like to run to actually, we run up the middle a lot too. Uh, so that might not work out. Well, if we have Fluker, Fluker is a very large human being, and that's a good thing when you're going against Aaron Donald and Indominus Sue. I mean, Kevin was right. They're 23rd in DVOA against deep passes. They're pretty bad. That's that's pretty horrible. So. All right, I'm I'm excited to see what happens this week. Let's see if the let's see if the team can uh, can make it happen. Uh, I like those gut runs uh, with the with the read option in this one. I think those could work really good. Get those going. Get a hundred and hundred and ten hundred yards out of uh, Mike Davis and Rashad Penny, and then maybe Russ flashes the legs for once. Hit it over, hit it over the top to Dougie B. Well, I mean, the, it's for, for for his first touchdown of the season. I think it'll come down to the offensive line. I mean. We Let's, we kind of we stifled them last time. We're a little banged up now. If we can have good protection, we turn it around, and to great things can happen. To anyone who thinks that there's going to be a huge difference between these two teams playing in Seattle and these two teams playing in LA, I would refer you to the Rams game against the Packers, where there was like a th- 
I would say 75 of the 100,000 people who were there were Packers fans. Uh, 75,000 of them. I was about to say, 75 of the 100,000 people who were there 75, were LA thousand. Rams fans. Yeah, I was going to say. 75 out of, not, not 75,000, 75. There, there was a because lot LA of Packers Because LA does fans. not care about NFL teams. Yeah. This, so What a great football town that is, LA. There's a, there's a good shot that this is not a super great Rams crowd. And is the there thing, a Lakers game in town because then no one's showing up? We always have a good crowd, though. Seahawks always bring people to the game. Right. So the, the, this, I think this is like a... a neutral site game or maybe slightly Rams favored, but it, I don't think it hurts us like it does in a normal opposing stadium. Have if, blue and green will if, travel. If we were going to Arizona and when Arizona was good, I'd be much more worried about like if Arizona had the similarly talented teams or Rams, I'd be more worried about that home field. Advantage. Even the Santa Clara 49ers have a better home field advantage. Yeah. This is not a great home field advantage for the the Rams. They need to get into their new stadium and their stadium smells like a literal garbage dump and people still show up. <laughs> yeah. So, so the sooner that the Rams can get into a real stadium, it, the worse for us, but the better for them. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, like I said, 33-31 was the last game. I think this game will be close. You guys ready for for scores? Let's do picks, yeah. Okay, let's do picks, and I'm going to go deep on mine, okay? I think the Seahawks keep it close. They fight the whole game, and uh, then at the as time expires, uh, there's a Hail Mary into the end zone, and David Moore drops it again. So <laughs> let's go with uh, Seahawks 28 uh rams 33 eric i think the seahawks will come back to scoring a little better than they did this game there were some drop balls this game that should have been caught blah 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 bigger scores it will be super sunshiny in los angeles rams 29 seahawks 24 wow Right, you, I thought for a second you were going to steal my score here. Um, I have, in a game that seems closer until a fourth quarter touchdown kind of pulls it out of reach, I have Rams 29, Seattle 20. Hmm. All right. So that's that's our picks for this week. Um, if you have big thoughts about Rams, Seahawks, or anything else, make sure to hit us up. Uh, let's go to the money zone. You oh, want college games? Oh yeah, Kevin, give us your your uh, your college game rant. All right, quick quick viewing schedule. Uh, three two games, games, two keep, three games. Okay, good. Three games. Keep an eye on. I'm not going to give you prospects because these are teams we've talked about. So these are just going to be games I think are going to be interesting. And there's players on each of these teams that are worth noting. So Ohio State's playing at Michigan State, 9 a.m. That game's going to be on Fox. And Michigan State always gets up for these games against bigger opponents. So that should be a pretty interesting one. Texas is at Texas Tech in a game that could be like a big shootout. That's at 4.30 um, p.m. And then Clemson's at Boston College at 5 p.m. Boston College is good for the first time since they had Matt Ryan. So that should be interesting. Boston College might be able to give Clemson a bit of a game. But if I'm betting on which of these should be good, Ohio State at Michigan State and Texas at Texas Tech. Keep Clemson at Boston College as the game to watch on commercials. Flip over there, see if something cool is happening. Uh, yeah, sounds good to uh, me. Boston College has talent on their offensive and defensive line, so that's something that we'll be looking for. So keep an eye on those positions. Um, okay, uh, let's go ahead and head over to Money Zone. For if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, it's easy to do so. For as little as one dollar and twenty four cents a month, you can get access to our exclusive picks podcast, where I continue to just crush it every single week. Thank you. Uh, bless up. Uh, I've got what I thought I did bad last week. Then I found out I went twelve and two. So, you doing so big shouts. Uh, let's do like we got some patrons here that I want to shout out. Big shouts, uh, big shouts too. Oh, you go ahead. You got another. Big no, you got it. Shout? No, I'm, I'm, I'm. Oh, oh, Forrest, Richard, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Chuckatilla, Karen, Not Brett, Mike, David, Mirza, Keith, Arthur, Frank, and Michelle. Thank you so much. Oh, and also Nick. You guys are helping us out. And uh, if you are unlike those people, you're not as generous with your cashola or you just don't have any because it's hard times right now out there for some people daddy hard times baby <laughs> you got you can head over to facebook.com slash the seahawks nest twitter.com slash seahawks nest or wherever you find your podcast give us a million stars review uh it helps us a lot find new people and uh make mistakes now last week the candy eliminator uh candy eliminator. there's some misunderstandings i'll start with that uh, people thought it was a, since it's the movie club they thought it was movie candies 
And they're like, what? No Junior Mints? No Milk Duds? No Raisinets? Which, by the way, God, I listen carefully. I would eliminate Raisinets immediately. That's a I, fact. It gets but, eliminated before the competition. But uh, but I tried to pick Halloween candies. I just want to clarify that uh, before we go on. To, we can do a movie candy eliminator later on. You yeah, know what? That's, is, a, that's a summer is, thing. As yeah, a group of guys who love food, we've, we've talked about you know food and sides around Thanksgiving and, and the holidays. This is not new territory for us. We, we love food. Yeah, <laughs> we'll revisit them occasionally because, again, fat is a state of mind, and we're all yeah, in. Yeah, but our big our big Thanksgiving we're podcast is going to be Patreon exclusive, so we might touch it here, but it's good. The, the main the main event is going to be over a taste. on the page on the Patreon. Um, okay, yeah, let's let's go um let's go to the movie zone. Um, I want Ethan and Joel and Ethan Cohen have a movie going into a limited release this week. Uh, Cohen Brothers. Uh, we're, we're all big Coen Brothers fans, and there's lots of different ways you can go with this, you know, but The Ballad of Buster Scruggs has them returning to their westerns, so I thought it'd be fun if we talked to Joel and Ethan Coen westerns, okay? So, um, I'm gonna talk about True Grit, and then you guys can jump in, and if, then if you guys want to talk about No Country for Old Men, or any of, or Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, or any of their other, um, uh, western Period pieces. The, I'm thinking of the Western stuff, though. So here we go. Uh, True Grit. I'm going to start with that. And Kevin, I know you like this movie as well. Um, as we like to call it, New Grit. Yeah, New Grit. A lot of people like to take a dump on this movie. And I'm not. And those people have bad opinions. I'm not sure, sure why. This movie is a very entertaining. Um, start to finish, there's really good acting in this movie. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, is like the as the kid, is so good. Dude, the casting in general. Jeff Bridges is great as Rooster. Uh, Matt Damon is Labeef is excellent such a name that he fills out perfectly this, they took this uh, like, josh brolin and barry pepper like barry pepper is very clever there josh brolin plays like basically a feeble-minded individual they, in a very interesting way they found this like but the the thing about Haley steinfeld for me though is they found this girl she's like a budding pop star slash sitcom actress and they they recognized something that she had you know what i mean that she was going to be able to play moxie play this character and i mean it it like makes the movie the the without like a really strong maddie ross performance in this movie it's not as it's not as good this movie is like way worse i would say uh a stronger maddie ross than the original movie and the fact that john wayne's not that good of an actor and Jeff Bridges is a very good actor. Are the two reasons why this is a better movie? And Matt Damon's funny. In Matt this Damon's movie. good, but I feel like the original Labeef was really good too. Yeah, but Matt- um, specifically though, like Matt Damon was living up to what was already a good role. Those are the two spots. Uh, um, Haley Steinfeld uh, as Maddie Ross and Jeff Bridges as Rooster Coburn um, were the two big upgrades. Okay, Eric. Eric, have you seen this movie? Absolutely. All right. And what did you What did you think of it? I love this movie. Everything you said. Uh, I didn't chime in because you guys said it all. I mean, the the villains in this movie: Josh Brolin, Barry Pepper. Um, Barry Pepper is one of our like underrated actors. I feel great character. Actor. Most most things he's in, I like outside of uh, Battlefield Earth, which Dom Hall Gleason in this movie too. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Really, the uh, uh, Haley Steinfeld. She steals every scene she's in. I feel like uh, to quote you guys. Jeff Bridges is doing a thing in this movie. And I love the thing he does. And it's done very well. Um, <laughs> it's it's funny enough when it needs to be, kind of like Damon is Labeef, but both have really serious turns in the movie that that uh, steer the movie in a serious direction. It's a great film. It's awesome. Okay, how many people do you think that they they got applications for the role of Matty Ross? How many people applied mm. to the to the casting call? That's hard Probably it's not Coen that Brothers. many, I would think. Even though it's Coen Brothers... If you remember the original movie, the 1969 release, and Matty Ross was played by Kim Darby in that movie, that was not a great character. I'm going to say three known actors were applied. They received, you're, you're going to, this is going to blow your mind. They received 15,000 applications crap. To, to, they don't, for their acting pool. See, they don't have 15,000 who legitimately thought they could get it to play yeah. Matty Ross. They There's had, no way that I see the Coens indulging that they they so they put an open casting call oh never mind so so that means anyone could apply they said any 12 to 16 year old girl and all they did was describe her as a simple tough as nails young woman whose unusually steely nerves and straightforward manner are often surprising man by the way real quick i forgot how good the original cast was on this movie in 69 making the but i think making someone like that for that role, win an open casting call like that, I think that ensures that they can play the character. I would because, agree because now you you uh, you you're just 
you're just like making sure you got to be tough as nails to win something like that. Uh, Deacons did cinematography on this movie. He's a legend. Like that's why the movie looks so good. Um, yeah. All right. I'm I'm uh, I'm ready to move on to the other westerns because I think that they're also. I'm, I'm not. Oh, you're not. You Real quick. Seen oh, go ahead. So I. Uh, I want to just bring thoughts. up uh, like this. Uh, Rooster and Labeef. In the original movie, I feel like John Wayne could not keep up the witty banter with Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell's a very witty comedian. Yeah, he's not a... John Wayne plays a cowboy in everything, even when he's, like, John, in everything. John Wayne is not witty. Yes, that's not what he does. But he has a one really good line, which is, uh, what was it? Uh, it was Pepper, when uh, that he has the showdown with Pepper at the end. Pepper, fill your hands, you son of a bitch. And uh, he puts the reins in his teeth and comes riding down. It's a really good line. And I thought Jeff Bridges pulled that really well. But the the witty back and forth between Rooster and Labeef and about, like, who is the better man and kind of like they're making fun of each other. And then how Maddie gets pulled in and through that and thinks she's defending a few times. And every side character who makes a cameo, I feel like... The, in a movie that the action could carry it to an extent, the dialogue carries this movie. And that's a Coen Brothers thing. Well casted, but also just the Coen Brothers really highlighting the uh, the strong dialogue. You know what's cool about all their Western movies is they're all adaptations, right? Yeah. So, like, um, you know, this movie adapted a novel. Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou adapted The Odyssey and No Country Into for a Old Western. Men. Oh, no Country for Old Men adapted, you know, the... Cormac McCarthy classic so they all were adaptations of of uh of other works and I think that in a way they they were all in ways faithful and elevated the works are they going to, to make a way. Rooster Cogburn film they did it's called True Grit no like the 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 film Rooster Cogburn that John Wayne did it was a sequel to True Grit this is I, a real thing I highly doubt it well then that sucks because I would like to see more would, of this character that would be interesting but I don't think it's going to happen no Country for Old Men is just not a movie that I got that into. So if you guys want to talk about it, that's fine. We've, we've already talk talked about, about this movie. Uh, I, have strong, I have a strong opinion on it. So can I just give my take? And give then your can, take and we'll on. go ahead and bounce off your take real quick. I don't think this... I think this movie has a an otherworldly um, 11 out of 10 performance from Javier Bardem. Yep. And I could not give two, two fucks about it. Otherwise, I think it's just... Everything else about it is like okay slash slightly above average. Like, I don't think it's a bad movie. But I just don't get the hype. But Javier Bardem crushes in this movie. Like it's so good what he's doing. Um, that uh, that that's where I'm at. I like the end. I think they do a good job of letting you down in the way that the movie should. We've spoken about this movie before. We've done this in movie club, and both of you guys, uh, Kevin, I not so much maybe, but Nathan, you already said this. Well, you said you didn't understand the hate for True Grit. I don't understand. I feel like you guys are doing this, or at least you, Nathan, are doing this for No Country for Old Men. I think the pacing is perfect in this movie, and Javier Bardem is the the sole star of this film. Josh Brolin is merely a side character. Woody Harrelson plays a a brief side character role that is in insanely great to the story. I love this movie. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones uh, got first billing. One, yes, yeah, because he's super old. He was a supporting actor, and he's. He's probably the protagonist in this movie. Like, like that's the thing. You say he's a supporting actor, but like, is, is there is there a lead actor in this movie? Because Sugar got a supporting actor nomination for this movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess not. I mean, you're not gonna. And Brolin got a lot of screen time too. I feel like I don't Did know. You know when's the last Bro... time you watched the that, movie? That Bro... last year. That because I feel like the pacing was not great. I feel like I the, pacing the pacing was what kind of got me on this. movie. I mean, it's very western pacing. It's, it's yeah, slow. it's, sure, it's gonna be slow, scenes. and it's but it keeps moving. I like that, and it moves in different directions. I love this movie. I thought it was the really good. The story great. is a good one, the Cormac McCarthy story. So, like, they're, it's, yeah. Um, I feel like people And everything wanna... Javier Bardem does is so believable. I want to from... give you my cool my cool fact about this movie. You ready? Yep. Sure. Javier, or Josh Brolin's role as Lewin Moss was originally supposed to be played by Heath Ledger. Sad. Oh, interesting. But not he did, not because he died, because he wanted to spend time with his daughter. He dropped out. That, Still said. That would have been crazy. Uh, so my comment on this is um, I don't think that uh, – I don't think this is a bad movie or anything. I think it's a very good movie. Um, I just think that it's an overrated movie. People really want to talk about it like it's some sort of cinematic perfection. And I think its flaws are very present. It's good. It's just not 
Um, I don't think it's a top level. Is it not light enough? Like, because there's not really any light moments. Nope, in it. that's not what does it for me. I just the the total package is not one that I buy as well as others. I just think it's like my third or fourth favorite. Maybe it's because dialogue Coen is Brothers. what the Coens do really well together, and the best scenes in that movie involve very little talk. I'd say the best dialogue in this movie is Tommy Lee Jones talking to himself, or like, you know, to someone off screen you can't see. Or when Woody Harrelson's being cocky. Or when Javier Bardem gives his little monologue to Josh Brolin's all, wife. I forgot about all about Woody Harrelson in this movie. Oh, Kelly McDonald? Yeah. yeah uh, basically, the, uh, you know, he had a chance to save you and chose not to. That that's a really creepy evil scene, and I think uh, every scene he's in is like a yes. creepy evil yes. scene. Yes, yep, it's awesome. Just call it. Okay, right. we do like, an old brother. They open, yeah. It's two old brother, right? Though uh, old brother is a very very fun movie. Yeah, it's crazy fun. What about? Okay, we've done this movie too. It is so easy to watch. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this. It's like come up. Uh, before. No, we did a whole movie club on it. We did really, <laughs> yeah, because we kept. I kept going. Damn, we're in a tight spot. Okay, well then I just want to say I just want to say I love John Goodman as Big Dan T, and that's that's all I want to say about it. Uh, I just want to say that I'm a Dapper Dan man is a great line that sums up that entire that, character. Also, the kid that we're going to R U N N O F T that whole so scene good. with the Dapper Dan. Well, isn't this just some sort of geographical oddity? <laughs> Six weeks from anywhere. I think the thing about this movie is. is it's probably it's technically it's worse than than but it's so fun like this is a really fun movie. This the oh, watchability of this movie is incredibly of high. All and that, this, that's these movies we talked about, you can watch this rewatch this one the most. And you don't have to pick it up from the beginning or no. anything. You can enjoy it wherever it is. There's so many like super fun scenes. And there's they're they all like it's a collection of scenes into an awesome story. And they really did a good job like making it seem like this is really in the old South. You know, Stephen Root as the blind station manager. Oh boy, that was some mighty final picking and a singing. <laughs> All right, for Kevin Carver, for Eric Kronovec, I'm Nathan Sandow, and we will see you next week. Go Hawks. I'm a dapper damn man. <laughs>